I'm Gab. He's Don. Hey. Uh, Jewel's still away in uh, in Australia at the Women's World Cup. Blue skies over West London. Not sure what the skies are like over North London because mm-hmm. this is breaking news as we record this uh, uh, this, this Gab and Jewel show. Don, uh, Spurs have accepted Ooh. a bid from Bayern Munich. Uh, reports say that the bid is in excess of $100 million. Were early reports that Bayern were preparing a bid that could be worth up to $110 million. These wow. are euros now, yep. not, not pounds, um, from what we understand. Wow. Uh, we knew it was going to happen at some point mm-hmm. that Levy was going to accept. Now it seems to me like it's down to Harry Kane. It's always been down to Harry Kane. This is this 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 is obviously breaking news, and it's well, sorry, no, it's not always been down to Harry Kane. It because has. He didn't go to Man City, did he? It has always been down to the player because they can accept a hundred million pound if they want Tottenham, and Harry Kane can say, "No, I am not going. Thank you very much." Therefore, it's always down to the player. Put differently, though, it's a two-way street because if Harry Kane wants to leave and but Harry Tottenham Kane don't not. accept don't accept the offer, then Harry Kane has to stay. Okay, right? well, let's meet somewhere not in the middle. <laughs> I would say it's eighty percent in Harry Kane's favour to twenty into Tottenham's because a hundred million pound that they've accepted has obviously shifted the needle. Because I never thought this was going to be the move for Harry Kane. It's obviously the move for Tottenham because they need to get in as much money as possible before you lose them on a free. So from Daniel Levy and the club's point of view, and also not selling to an English club, makes absolute sense. You get top dollar from Bayern Munich for Harry Kane, but now it's on the player. How much do you want to go to Bayern? Or how much do you want to see your contract run, out, run down to a free and bring Bayern, Barca, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, all to the table next summer? But this, this news has obviously shifted it a bit. Now, we obviously don't know what Harry Kane's stance. I mean, we are literally recording this in real time. News mm-hmm. that the offer has been accepted. Normally, what happens in these situations is the club, the the buying club, reach some sort of informal agreement um, with the player yeah. and his and his entourage, saying like, "Hey, if we can do a deal with with Spurs, if we were to offer you four years, blah blah blah, at this much." Would you be interested? Yes. And the reason they do Which this... Which used to be called tapping up back It used to be illegal because of stupid rules never made by illegal. stupid people. I've had that phone call a million times. I don't know, because, but... You know, because you know, the, the, the bid never goes in. Of course. When you've had the conversation course. with a player and the player gives you an indication, yeah, if it's accepted, yes, I would come, or no, I wouldn't, and then the bid doesn't go right. in. Because otherwise you're not going to waste their time. That's what I mean. Right? Um, but it was technically illegal and there were teams that have been reported and even punished uh, for it tapping up, as it's known in this country, tampering, as it's known across the pond. Um, so if Bayern go through with this, yeah. I is it safe to assume that they have spoken to Harry Kane, his family members, Allegedly. and Harry Kane? Well, I, mean, no, I, I, would, I, would, imagine, I would imagine so. My, 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 and he's agreed in principle. Yeah. it's. I, I listen, I, I would imagine the conversation has been something like from Bayern to Harry Kane's camp, if we submit the bid and it's accepted, would you then come? And Harry right. Kane at some point, I would imagine, or his camp has said, yes, we would be open to the idea. So therefore the bid goes in and then they start talking the money. I, I think it's more than open to the idea for Bayern to move. Now, this, I'm speculating here, but just from what I know of how transfers work, if they continue to pursue this bid so aggressively, mm. it's more than, oh, yeah, then we can have a conversation if Levy accepts the bid. Yeah. I think, because they'd be doing Kane a disservice, they'd be doing Spurs a disservice, they'd be wasting Bayern's time. Yeah. I think it would have gone further. I think it would have said, okay, what sort of numbers are we talking? 
what is the plan for next season? Where, where Bayern, I think, has been really poor in this is I think their stance on trying to negotiate has been really poor. Because this time last week when they put a lesser bid in, they said that's our final offer. Well, it's not your final offer because you just come back in and offered a hundred. Yeah, but anybody so negotiations... a house or a car, like no, no, you don't say final offer. It makes you look a little bit silly because nah. therefore, whatever bid you come in, Tottenham can say was not really a final nah. offer, is it? So your negotiating the, skills have been Bayern could care less if one Don Hutchinson thinks they look silly <laughs> if they end up. with Well, Harry don't say King. it's your final offer then. <laughs> but um, so, are we relatively confident that Kane has? I am not, Gab. I am not because I've always maintained this, this, my stance from the player's point of view that I wouldn't rush into a move now. So you would move as a free agent. That would be the rational That's thing what I do. would do because you can have the conversation. Listen, it's one of them where I think Bayern Munich's best chance of getting Harry Kane is this window. Because if you leave it another 12 months, and as I said, you bring Barca, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Man United, Man City all to the table. Enough with the Barca, please. But Okay, yeah. but Bayern are not in the conversation <laughs> yeah. then. Because English players, from what, I've, from what I've known over my 30, 40 years spending time in the game over here, when they think about moving abroad, Barca and Real Madrid are the two biggest clubs that they think about going to. Right. I, can't think about, I can't think of many English players, Gab. Who say that, they dream of playing for... No, no, who have actually moved to Bayern. Over the last 30, 40 years, Musiala's different. He's now German. Yeah. I think there's one young boy that was at Chelsea that's now at Bayern. The name escapes me. But if you yeah. look back at 2030... That's Musiala. Huh? That's Musiala. No, no, there was another boy, I think, who went right. from Chelsea. Um, but I think right. if you look at the last 30, 40 years, no one's went from English player to Bayern. So it's not a massive draw for them. Now, people point out that Kevin Keegan went to Hamburg and did rather well out of it. But, of course, it's that was in the Bayern. 1970s it's not and Bayern. it's not Bayern. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're dating ourselves when we bring that up. All right, Don, we've talked about how, from Kane's perspective, if, mm. if you were advising Kane and you have some familiarity with the Kane camp, <laughs> um, you would say, Harry, wait. wait a season, pick your options next summer, right? He certainly He's made enough money, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of argument to that might also be, oh, if people know it's your final season and you're moving on, sometimes it can be kind of hard to, it's kind of be kind of hard to handle that goodbye. Maybe some resentment from fans. Well, you could have left yeah. us with a transfer. Just, scored, know, whatever, four, just right? scored four goals a couple of days ago in a preseason yeah, so game. Yeah, he scored so 30 goals last year. Yeah, exactly. But whatever. You know, but you know how supporters are. And it, and it can be emotional and painful. Yeah. And if you're there, sometimes it's best to make a clean break, right? So I, okay. I, I can see the... The counter-argument to it, from yeah. a purely footballing aspect, I'm 100% with you. From Kane's perspective, it might have made sense to wait another season, right? Yeah. Uh, and have more options out there. From Tottenham's perspective, this is a no-brainer. No. To get that kind of fee for a guy with Correct. a year left on his contract Correct. and on those wages Correct. is tremendous. And I kind of feel, and, and Ange may feel differently, I have the in-house replacement right there. In? In Richarlison. <sighs> now, no, you could make a face about Richarlison. Oh, no, I'm not, no, I'm not making the face about Richarlison. You can't compare Richarlison to Harry Kane. No, 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 no. I'm not saying you're going to do the same thing, right? But you need a center oh, You forward, said in-house right? replacement. No, I have an in-house replacement. I have another guy who is experienced, who scored goals in the Premier League, who I spent a lot of money on. I can put together an attack of Son, Richarlison, Kulusevsky, some of the other guys. We're going to talk about how they've been linked with with Gift Orban, for example. Um, you know, I can make it work. It's not like now. With, make it work for what? 
well, I can make it work. Title this- challenge, top four, top seven. I think I think it's got to be top four after the season they had last. They year, ain't right? getting top four. You can make it work for this team to progress with a new manager. That's what I'm talking they, about. They might not even get top four with Harry Kane there. Right. Never mind Kane. No, but that has Allison. to be the goal this season, right? You're not going to go it's, into it's, the it's, season. No, it's, like, it's the goal, but it's unrealistic. In well, my that's opinion. fine. But you can make it work to, in your pursuit of top four. I, what I'm driving at is if Richarlison weren't there, and, and or, or, or Son weren't there because Son can also play through the middle, of course. And mm-hmm. you know, you, you've got some flexibility there. What you could do with those two guys, they are. Yeah. Um, they are pretty versatile good forwards, play. No, right? Good, good players. You would be in a situation where you're like, oh, look, Harry Kane's gone. We've got three weeks left of the transfer window. Um, yeah, I'm going to go and try to sign somebody with $100 million odd in my pocket. And so you know everybody's prices yeah. are going to go up. Now they're in that situation where instead of shopping for an A-list striker yeah. to replace Kane... They can shop in a different segment of the market. You know, maybe it's a guy who does a job. Maybe it's a younger player. Well, the younger um, player, in my opinion, who is the no-brainer is Evan Ferguson at Brighton. I see him. He cost an awful lot of money, by the way. Right. But I see him potentially being an unbelievable striker. I know, I know guys that have worked with him, worked with him from 18s to 19s level, and they said one of the most complete youngsters we've seen and coached for quite a while. I think for Tottenham, if they could get him out of Brighton, I think he's the one where you can spend 10 years on him. Right. I, my attitude is if Hoyland, you know, who I, I think compares to Ferguson in some ways, just in terms of age and yep. the hype around him, I think he's a year older or two years older. Yeah. If Hoyland sets United back 75, 85 million, yeah. Ferguson's going to cost you more than that. And so at the, that the, point, that's all the Kane money gone. Well, this is what I'm saying. That's that's the, there, so, therein lies the problem about Harry Kane moving on, and whatever team you, whatever player at any team you bid for, let's say it is Ferguson, they go, well, you've got a hundred million to spend. We'll have seventy five of that, please. Right. So that's why it's probably better to shop. I think in another segment of the market in somebody cheaper. But can- football's a cruel world, though. So if you if you went to, so say a different market and a lesser standard of player for the potential. And at the end of the season, we're all sitting here and fans are sitting here and going, hang on a minute, we sold Harry Kane 30 goals a season and we got player A in that cost about 25 million quid and he scored five goals. How does that help us get top four? Well, because <laughs> Rome's not built in a day. You have a new manager. No, no, I'm, I'm, you have a project. Yeah, but f- fans don't and see Buster it. And Coglu has coached as many Premier League games right now for Tottenham as you have, yeah, right? Right. which is zero. Does, does, it, doesn't, so, it doesn't mean his opinion's better than mine or mine's better no, no, than his. No, no, no. But what it means is you have to give it time to develop. You have to see yeah, what yeah, he can do. I, I get that. Can Gulusevsky improve? Can Richarlison live up to his transfer fee that you paid a year ago? So would the economics not be the conversation between Daniel is- Levy and Ange Postacoglu? If we kept Harry Kane, right, and we let him go for free, the numbers, if we did get them top four, what's, what's Champions League money these days? 60, 70? It depends how far you get. But yeah, Ish. 60 is probably... Uh, so would the probably, economics not work by keeping him? I would argue probably not because it's not like you're guaranteed Champions League even with Harry Kane, right? So that, as we, that, saw that, so we go full circle back right. to the conversation with Richarlison. No, if, if you want to look at it from a, from a probability situation... Uh, no, but then again, you have Postacoglu, whereas, you know, last year you had three different managers and it didn't work out well and you fell apart late in the season, right? Yeah. I mean, let's not forget, under Conte, at some point, they were in the top four conversation. They were in the top four conversation for much of the season. So you can make a point that maybe they're not quite as bad as... But Jose's told us, and Antonio Conte's told us, Yeah, again, it's yeah. not on us, this is on the group of players. 
So just because you bring Postacoglu in, who's a very exciting front-footed manager, a little bit different than Jose and Antonio Conte maybe, but he's still got that group of players to work with who, when it comes to the crunch, are not good enough. I we'll, we'll we'll see what they can do with that. I, I'm I'm always you know the oh, guy, no, no. The, the it's, guy it's, who's no, that, it's, it's not on the manager. I'm saying the players. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Right, but I'm we'll see if downer. the players behave differently, even assuming what what Conte and those guys and, and Mourinho. Oh, I, and I know. Play, I know players at Tottenham when when Antonio Conte come in and he ran them hard. I know players at Tottenham when he's unbelievable. We absolutely love him. Yeah, they because love you love managers like until, until until you I, fall, fall out with them. I, I think with with a fit Romero, with a fit Bentancourt, Van der Veen coming in, you know, I I, I don't think that Spurs are necessarily if, if Ange can do what Spurs hope he can do. I don't think they're necessarily as far away as people people think. Also, because let's not forget, you have a situation where at the very top. You know, Arsenal and City look pretty settled and had great seasons last year, right? Mm-hmm. But Liverpool have a ton of question marks. Manchester United have a ton of question marks. Uh, Chelsea. Chelsea, let's not even get started. Newcastle and Villa, weirdly, pushing. are the teams who are pushing. So you could argue they're coming behind you. Brighton. Uh, potentially Brighton, too. I mean, there are other teams. But you're in this situation where if you're Spurs, you're in that mix. And I yeah, I can go pear shape and you I'm, finish ninth. I'm, or... Or there could be a gap behind the See, front too. I'm, I'm just with that conversation you're having with me here, and you're selling it to me, and you're selling it to me well. I would still have more hope of Tottenham getting top four with Harry Kane there. Of course, obviously, but the question but is, but I, I, I totally understand. By the way, Levy saying we want a hundred, right? And but where we, would they be twelve months from but now? We can't sell without Harry Kane and without the hundred million, right? Because because that's that's the flip side of it. Uh, let's talk about Bayern. Um, I find this interesting, the, the Harry Kane thing. So obviously, I think there's almost been like a, for a club that likes to plan and everything, a bit of an emotional reaction here, right? So they lose Lewandowski. They're like, yeah, we don't need a center forward. Look, Sadio Mane, blah, blah, blah. Good German. We've got a, a bit of German. Uh, yes, nice. good. But we've got, you know, Matthijs Tell is going to be really good. And then we see what happens last year. And I personally, I, I'm on the record, I'm going to stick with this. I think in a different condition at the club, maybe with a different manager or whatever. I think it could have worked, Monty, through the middle. I, I, I think it could have worked. You know, yeah. obviously, if he's not punching teammates, that that would help too. <laughs> um, but you know, it's not absurd that it couldn't have worked. No, right? no, no. Now you're deciding. No, we need a we need a center forward. We need a goal guarantee type guy. Let's bring in. Let's bring in Harry Kane. Now, what I wanted to ask you though is. This is a team which has an exceptional attacking midfielder yeah. in Jamal Musiala. Unbelievable. Thomas Muller, who was an exceptional, you know, a team icon, a guy who's they're, difficult they're, to live out of, live out of, leave out of the side. And they're still waiting for Leroy Sane to fire. No, no, but well, I just want to stick no, on no, the attacking quali- midfielder. Yeah, no, the quality. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got Sane, Coleman, Coleman Nabry. Yeah. You have, you have yeah. your wingers, right? Yeah. This issue was raised to me is how is Harry Kane going to play over there? Because if you have the attacking midfielders, which they didn't have, at Spurs, yeah, that the Harry Kane drop deep and then you know hit that ball for Son to run onto. You don't want to see that at Bayern, right? You almost would rather Kane just stayed in and around the area so he can pick up the crosses because to if he starts extent, dropping off, but then and not- he gets in the way of Musiala and Muller potentially, yeah. right? I, how do you play that? 
I, I think it's very easy because he's got a football IQ and he's very intelligent at how he plays the game, Harry Kane. There'll be times where he plays between the width of the 18-yard box and gets his goals in the 18-yard box. But I think there's times when you do come short. If you think Firmino at Liverpool and you think Harry Kane at Tottenham, when he comes short as a midfield player myself, right. that's the dream. Because Harry Kane comes short, someone links the play, third man running, Musiala in the box. Yeah. So you attack a midfield players, in my opinion, working with Harry Kane, their numbers or their chances should be a lot greater because you're working with a guy that's an incredible team player. If you think of when Firmino played for Liverpool, he wasn't necessarily prolific, but Mane was right. and Salah was because of the brains of no, Firmino. But, but I think that's what Harry Kane does to Bayern. What does Kane do? Because it's, inter- it's, inter- oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting it's, you say that because there's two ways to do this, right? So I've spoken to people, ex-footballers, who said, no, well, if Kane goes, you know, the whole Kane dropping off thing, which he did exceptionally well, he did it by necessity. He did it because... I think he's this, always really done it, though, Gab, hasn't he? I'm not sure a, he did earlier in his career. No, but, but no, early, stats, yeah, but when, you, when, when you're young... You, you no, no, I don't mean when he's young. I mean right up in, when, when he was 25, 26, 27. I think this is something that we've seen this side of his game more and more in the last well, then don't three, expect, four years. Don't expect any different because that's the player that Bayern want to sign. So why... Well, yeah, why would you, check, why, why would you spend £100 million on a player when you know what they can do and what they right. have done to then potentially change him and say, right, forget everything you've done about coming short. We now want you to be a predator, 18-yard box player. Well, it's not really his game. He does, I, every, he does everything at a 9 out of 10. Can, he can do a lot of things well, but he... Why, I mean, wouldn't, why wouldn't you want to link with Coman? Why wouldn't you want to link with Leroy Sane? Why wouldn't you want to link with okay, Musiala? Well, one, potential, one potential explanation... Might, Lewandowski did it. ...might be that... No, 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 no. Okay, well, don't give me this. Lewandowski did it. Lewandowski didn't play that no, but man, right? This, so is, I'm not, this, I'm not, but this is my gripe with fans. It's like, it's like they, want a, they want a definition of the player. Why, just, why can't you let the player do what he does in 90 minutes? So there might be a five seconds where he comes short. There no, no, might of, be a 10 of, seconds of he goes in behind. Of course there might be. Of, of do the whole thing. Be. But I think there's a lot of data and analytics that suggest that when Lewandowski, who, by the way, was tremendous at pressing, and when he was at Bayern, right. he was not dropping into the positions that Kane dropped into yeah, right. at, uh, at Spurs. Yeah. Uh, many different no, 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 reasons. No, no, that's, 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 that's One fine. evident reason, incidentally, is that under Conte Mourinho, Spurs didn't necessarily have the, the 65-70% possession that, that Bayern often had, right? Yeah. So that could be uh, another explanation. Yeah. I, I just find it fascinating because you can do so many things with Harry Kane. And as you know, I'm Mr. Number One Tuchelista. I am curious to see how he's going to try to make this work. I, I, because wouldn't, I wouldn't try too hard, Gab. I wouldn't try. Like, what do you do? Just send Kane out there. Kane, no, no, Harry, no, no, do whatever no, no, you want. No, 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 no. From your eyes and from fans watching on, really? don't try too hard to figure out what Harry Kane and Thomas Tuchel's relationship okay. is going to be because they're signing, if they do sign him, an unbelievably right. intelligent but they have they have an unbelievably intelligent and talented number 10 in the team and his name is Jamal Musiala. Yeah, yeah. So, and Tuchel, especially at Bayern, you have to work on patterns of play. Of course, right? of course. This isn't... So, I, what I'm envisioning, I guess, is situations where, you know, Bayern play Freiburg or whatever, and there's eight people in the box and everything's all crowded forward, right? So yeah. you want Kane to move and you want Kane to drop off, maybe take some marker with him, probably wouldn't. Um, how we, At some point, when spaces are so tight, you have to maintain your balance and your shape and you have to put your players in a situation where they can hurt the opposition. Yeah. That requires chemistry and that requires time. It, fundamentally, you are making a decision yeah. where you're telling, where you're deciding, okay, if I 
get Kane to generate space yeah. for Musiala to run into. Yeah. That's great. That's Brilliant. one way of attacking. Yeah. And then I'll alternate the two things. But yeah. And then you've got cross then you've got that, wingers who can put crosses in the box. But if I just leave Kane in the box because he's good in the air, because I've got people who can provide wingers even in messy areas, because Kane also has that 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 eye for goal, he knows yeah. where the ball's gonna go. Do I want Kane dropping off? So at some point he's going to have to develop a system of patterns of players yeah. that are either going to hinge towards the cane in the box or are going to hinge into the cane as additional 10. Or both. Right? Or, well, or G- both. G- right. Or it could be 50-50. Close, close your eyes, right? Fast forward 12 months, Harry Kane will have 30 goals. In the Bundesliga. Yes. Done. Done. All right. That's, you heard it here. That is Don Hutchinson's uh, <laughs> promise. Uh, first 10 people who treat my account. Um, Don's going to treat you to a steak dinner oh. if well Harry done, Kane Don. does not score well 30 goals for Bayern. Well done, steak, though. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John, not just the Premier League, but La Liga kicks off this weekend. Shall we check in with Alex Kirkland? Let's do it. Uh, Alex, welcome aboard. Uh, Look, we're used to it being a a three-horse race, sometimes a two-horse race. Real Madrid, Barcelona. I'm not sure that Atleti have improved over the summer, but they certainly improved in the second half of of last season. And uh, Ronaldo's presumably going to be fit again. Uh, Is it a three-horse race? I would like to think it, it would be. Maybe that's me being optimistic. But I do think, as you say, that Atletico, you look at last season, this happens with Atletico every few years where they have a bit of an identity crisis. They try and look for a different style. Maybe they give up on that. They go back to the old Atletico and they get it together. And that's what happened last season. Over the second half of last season, Atletico picked up more points than any other team in La Liga, including Champions Barca. So if they carry that on, I'd like to think Atleti could challenge Madrid and Barca. But yes, of course, of course, it's going to be about Madrid and Barca. It always is. They're by far the two strongest teams. And in particular, the squads, not just the starting 11, but the strength in depth they've got on the bench as well. Far exceeds any other team in La Liga, including Atletico Madrid. But yeah, I'm feeling optimistic. I think we might well see a a proper three-horse title race in La Liga this season. Alex, one of the contenders, Real Madrid, I'm fascinated to know what's going to happen to their squad under Ancelotti in the next couple of weeks and months. Obviously, they're very stacked on quality in midfield, but the number nine position now Benzema's gone and Mbappe's got his 77-odd million quid from PSG from his loyalty bonus. Does that then open up a space for Real Madrid to potentially sign him this summer or are we still looking and thinking it might happen on a free next year? It's still wait and see, isn't it, right now as we as we speak. I've been fairly, fairly confident that at some point, even if it's right at the end of the transfer window, Mbappe will be will be playing for, for Real Madrid this season. But you're right, as it is, you look at this Real Madrid squad and it is, as you say, stacked in midfield with not as many options up front. Ancelotti is quite pragmatic about this kind of thing. He's been quite open about it as well. He's been saying in pre-season, look, based on this squad, we're going to try something different. We're going to go with a a four-man midfield, a midfield diamond with two players up front, which at the moment looks like being Vinicius and Rodrigo up front, because, of course, as you say, Benzema is out of the equation. And then a midfield four, which Ancelotti has been saying, will get the best out of Jude Bellingham, playing Bellingham as a number 10, 
within Camavinga, Tuameni, Valverde, and you've still got, as you say, Cross and Modric in there as well. Plenty of options in midfield. But that midfield four is Ancelotti's plan. But let's see if he sticks with it because the results in pre-season have been mixed. They've conceded a lot of goals. They conceded three goals against Barca in pre-season, three goals against Juventus as well. So the defence is saying that Ancelotti has to tighten up if he sticks with this new system. But of course, if Mbappé arrives, maybe that system goes out the window and they go back to the old 4-3-3. It's not written in stone as they play 4-3-3 and I you think you kind of answered it, seems it like there. It is, though, isn't it? I, 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 I do get the sense that I mean, on the back of what he said, with with Rodrigo, Joselu, and uh, and Vinicius, the only strikers, uh, only forwards rather, even plus Alvaro, it seems to me like they're leaving a space open uh, for Mbappe. If he doesn't come, do you think they get somebody cheap and cheerful on loan, maybe, um, just to have an extra body in the mix? There might be a last-minute sort of quick fix if Mbappe doesn't happen. There's been some talk of that. And over the last season, we've reported they've looked at a, a number of sort of strikers, people like like Vlaovic, for example, was one option they were looking at earlier in the season. Vlaovic is neither cheap nor cheerful, by the way. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. But he was the sort of player they were looking at over last season. And maybe they'll go back to some of those candidates as, as I say, a quick fix if Mbappe doesn't happen. Because if not, you're right, they're short. Hosolu is the only proper senior centre-forward in the squad. Yes, Alvaro, he's a, he's a kid, but he didn't play much at the end of last season. Um, Vinicius and Rodrigo, interesting as a, as a front two. It involves a bit of adaptation, from mostly from Vinicius, because he's played, of course, wide on the left, traditionally. It means him coming a bit more infield. Ancelotti says that's not a problem. Ancelotti says that Vinicius likes it, but it is a, a change for, for him, so he would have to adapt. Rodrigo, I think, is perfectly suited to, to playing either in a, in a front two or a or a front three. But that is the, the big question mark. Do they have enough firepower if Mbappe doesn't end up coming? All right, let's uh, open the big financial can of worms that is uh, Barcelona here. Uh, the Dembele business with him gone. I don't think that's a tragedy. Correct me if I'm wrong, because we saw a lot of them. You've got, you have Rafinha there. We saw, we saw a lot of them playing with essentially the winger and the center forward. And then you've got Gavi in kind of the flex position. You've got Pedro de Jong. That's fine. Um, Oriol Romeo, can he fill Busquets's big shoes? And obviously, you've got Gundogan in the mix. Ah, he's on a free. Assuming, <laughs> well, where are we with this registration business? They're going to be fine, right? With the Dembele money, they 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 should be. Look, if again, as we speak, if they've already got um Kessier out of the door, if Dembele gets done as well, then they should have enough at least to register the likes of Gundogan, who would be a priority for uh, for them. But right now, with very little time to go until they until they get their season started on, on Sunday, I think it's only it was 13 players they had registered with La Liga before the departure of Kessier. If Dembele goes as well, that would be down to 11. But they would get, like I say, at least the likes of Gundogan done in done in time. But maybe not everybody. Maybe not everybody. This this annual drama that we have now with Barca's finances, they're looking for again for for more investment to get these problems uh, sorted. What I would say is that if they manage to get all that sorted. I think Barca have signed incredibly well this summer. Like you said, I think getting Gundogan on a, on a free is brilliant business. Yeah. Getting Inigo Martinez, the defender from Athletic Club, on a on a free as well. Romeo, I think, is a really smart signing. He was exceptional for Girona last season, and I think he can replace certainly the Busquets that we saw in the last few in the last few years. So I think they've bought very well. And like you say, I talk about four man midfields. That's been the preference for for Xavi. Certainly in the big games last season, as you say, he went for Gavi as that fourth midfielder and went for a front two, which is Lewandowski plus one which might be Rafinha. It might be Ansu Fati, who's looked quite, quite good in, 
in pre-season as well. I think Dembele, yes, he's been frustrating. He's been incredibly talented. I think they will miss him because I think he was on his day one of their best players, but it wasn't always his his day. So I think they can't right. get by without him. All right, sticking with Barcelona here, uh, you you mentioned the squad. I, I just just taking a look at at the eleven. Um, it seems to me that they've just, the, 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 there's two questions. I think. I would have it. And I agree with what you said earlier about, about Ansu Fati. I think at some point, you know, I'm glad he stayed. Yeah. Obviously, there's pressures with his agent, his contract, and so on. I, I think he's somebody who's got such a tremendous upside. It would have been would have been mad to let him go. Um, and, of course, you also have Ferran Torres, who nobody seems to like other than me in the mix to give you <laughs> options, but whatever, right? But I, but I want to ask about midfield and right back. So... Right back, we were talking about this off air. Mm-hmm. Again, Jules Kounde does a very specific type of right back job, um, but he's really a center back. And I, I hate labels, but it seems to me to, weird to be going the Aaron Juan Bissaka route with him, right? Um, and the other thing is in midfield, I agree with you about Oriol Romeo being able to do a job for, for Sergio Busquets, but so if you have Gavi as your fourth midfielder, you have two other slots in midfield. And you have Pedri, and you have Gundogan, and you have De Jong. Do we get these weird situations where because Gundogan is the bigger name, it's going to be Gundogan, De Jong, and Pedri in some fashion in midfield, and then Oriol Romeo have to, has to wait for them to ship a few goals to get into the lineup, and they're like, oh, look, we're so much more balanced with Oriol Romeo in there. And like, duh. I could see that happening. I could see Romeo ending up in the team, even if he doesn't necessarily start in the team. But yeah, there's there's serious competition for places there. I think Frankie de Jong has to start. I think Gundogan probably has to start as well. And yeah, you've got one of Pedri or Gavi in the in the front three. But if you've got Romeo in there, you've still got one player too too many. Let's see what happens with with fitness because Pedri missed a lot of last season with with injuries. Gavi's had a a, a back problem that's not too serious, I think, in 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 pre season. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see which is which is Chavi's first choice midfield. I think Romeo, like I say, sooner or later will end up being in there with Gundogan and Frankie de Jong. And then, but then you've got one of Pedri or, or Gavi. And how do you leave out one of them if both are fit and, and available? In terms of the right back situation, it's, it's baffling that they haven't uh, moved to sort this out in, during the summer transfer window because right back has been a massive priority, especially for for Chavi. You talk about Kunde and um, being a centre back playing at right back. The other option is uh, Araujo, who is also a centre back playing at right back, but we saw him do a fantastic job, for example, against Vinicius um, in the Classico last last season. Uh, Xavi wants a, a proper right back. The the sort of debate within Barca has been about, do they go for a youngster like Fresneda at Valladolid, who's been linked to some Premier League teams as well? Or do you go for someone like Jao Cancelo um, or someone like Van Foyth of, of Villarreal? They're the three names that Barca have been looking at with very different profiles. And again, it comes down to the finances in terms of what they can get done. But they want to do something because Kunde doesn't like playing at right back. And he's been forced to play there time and time again. Araujo can do it sometimes, but I think Araujo is probably their best centre-back. So you want him playing at, at centre-back. No, I, I completely agree with you. Of those names, I mean, I would assume Fresneda is going to cost you some money um, simply because he's younger as the upside. Uh, Foy, I still think of, he's another, to me, another tweener. I know he's played right back, but... See, I was thinking there when Alex was saying and you were talking about the centre-backs that have been shifted to right back. I wonder if Xavi's ever toyed with the idea because he's got so many good centre-backs in that sort of, I'll say, loosely position. I wonder if he's ever toyed with the idea of going with a three. Yeah, but then would you lose work? a spot yeah. in midfield and you have a million midfielders. Gundogan can play off Lewandowski, can play where he wants. Would that work, Alex? <laughs> Has he ever considered it's going like, to a three? It, it, I, 
it's something I guess they could have done, I guess, using using Dembele as sort of the right wing back. And I guess now that would be it would be a case of putting another player into into that position. I think my understanding is that when Xavi first came in at Barca, early days, his idea was to play with sort of like a, a, a three, four, three kind of system. That was the system that he liked, but he's never quite got, got as far as implementing that that system and it's ended up being more of a back four but I think he likes a back three absolutely mm. I think you'd have to move the young back in, in, into the back three that that could be that could be an option if you really want to which do that done before, he? which is which we, we've seen before at times um I just just quickly on on the center forward is is it if Lewandowski goes down for whatever reason is it still a case of let's play Ferran or or, or Ansu up front and keep her fingers crossed I think it probably is. Um, I, I, Lewandowski, I mean, even even for him, there were one or two question marks. Of course, he was the top scorer in La Liga last season. Scored a lot of goals. But when you broke down the games that he was scoring those goals in, it wasn't always the uh, the biggest games. I think he'll still score loads of uh, loads of goals. But uh, yeah, if he's fit, of course he starts. Otherwise, it probably is Ferran Torres, who you, you keep, I don't know, you're sort of waiting for him to take a, a step up, but it never quite, quite happens. Ansu Fati can can play up there as well. I mean those are those are probably yeah, I think those are the only the only options really. I can't think of anyone else who could really do that do that job. They will be hoping that Lewandowski stays stays fit. Uh shifting to Real Madrid, Don asked before about about Mbappe and, and how stacked this team is in midfield with formation. I just want to ask you more generally about Carlo Ancelotti because this is the last year in his contract. There's all those rumors that he, people don't like to talk about, or uh, unless you happen to be Brazilian, <laughs> where he's leaving to join the Brazilian team. Um, one of the things I wondered about in terms of Florentino Perez is, should he be thinking about succession? Should you maybe have treated this season as maybe let Ancelotti go now? Bring somebody else, say maybe somebody younger who you like or whatever, and say, "All right, let's lay the groundwork Javi to Alonso. make this team younger." Whether Chabi Alonso would be well, one guy who's been talked about a lot, maybe mm-hmm. they don't think he's ready. I, I just want to get your sense of it. Is it going to impact things that this is Ancelotti's last year? And has there been talk of succession, of moving on, and maybe this? You know, obviously, also with players, maybe you, you let Modric and Kroos go this summer, mm. you save yourself more money, and then you pick up another, you know, expensive, high-quality youngster and mm. and you sell it as a transition season. Um, has, has that ever been part of the discussion or can you not have those conversations because you're Real Madrid? Yeah, the problem is that there are no transition seasons at Real Madrid because you're expected to win everything up to and including the Champions League every single season. Um, in terms of the coach, the calculation they made, I think, was that they didn't think that any of the sort of uh, succession candidates they were looking at was was ready. You mentioned Javier Alonso. He's the, he's the one they really like. He's the one they really like. They just felt like this summer would be just a little bit too soon. And he's, he's gone on to sign a new contract, hasn't he, at, at Leverkusen. Otherwise, you've got Raul, who's been doing a, a good job with the, with the B team, with, with Castilla. He's the other one that's been, that's been talked about. But they thought that right now, neither of them would be quite ready to step up. And so they thought, let's stick with Ancelotti for, for another year. But it is a very weird situation that, such a public kind of courtship from from Brazil, which Angelotti even was quite happy to talk about at first. Now he's he's, he's keeping quiet. He said, "I'm not going to talk about Brazil at all this this season. Let's see if that lasts." But it will be a talking point if Madrid start to wobble, yeah. if the pressure starts to build. There will be question marks about you know if he's going anyway. Do we not look to move now? It's it's a potential kind of um, sort of kicking clock there for, for Angelotti, but. He can he can probably deal with it, and he's probably got enough kind of credit built up 
I think, with what he's done at Madrid, both in the first spell and the, and the second spell, uh, to be able to hang on. I think it would take something pretty catastrophic for Ancelotti to go during the course of the season. I still think that would most likely happen at the end of the season. That's the only problem you foresee, doesn't it? If Real Madrid, like Alex said, had a wobble and lost a few games, it would be, ah, oh, Ancelotti's got his mind on Brazil. Yeah, and which, which, is, which has kind of already happened. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you can manage crisis situations oh, better than just about anybody. Oh, definitely. But still, oh, it definitely. is Real Madrid. It is uh, the biggest of big chairs. One eyebrow might just go up. <laughs> uh, I, uh, Don, you wanted to ask about yes. Sevilla. Yes, Alex. So I'm doing the uh, Super Cup midweek against Man City next week. And obviously I've done the, uh, the Roma game uh, when they won the trophy in the, uh, last summer. Um, sorry, end of last season. Is there anything I should look out for in terms of their squad depth? Have they lost any players? Have they signed any players? How are they looking? I'm fascinated to see how Sevilla get on this season because last year was such a, I mean, I'd say roller coaster, but it probably doesn't do justice to just how, how up and down it was. The fact they were relegation candidates for much of the season ended up, as you say, winning the, the Europa League, their seventh Europa League. What an incredible turnaround from from Jose Luis Mendelibar, the biggest job of his career, had never managed at this level, got it together, was supposed to be sort of a, a short-term quick fix. Now he's got the job long-term. You mentioned the squad. Of course, the big issue with the squad building is they've lost Monchi. You know, Monchi, who was running the club, but no exaggeration to say running the club behind the scenes from top to bottom for 20 years. He's gone to Aston Villa. Um, he was sort of the transfer guru, or, guru although his magic touch had started to maybe start to mm. slip a little bit in the last couple of seasons. Some of the signings weren't, a lot of the signings from last summer really didn't work out. I think you look at the squad right now, I think it looks weak. They've only done they've done one or two deals. But you look at sort of the key players there, and you're still looking at players like Jesus Navas, hmm. Ivan Rakitic, Fernando, all these guys in their mid mid to late 30s. Um, and, you know, they've got, um, they rely on uh, En Niziri up front for the goals, but they've been looking to, to um, get rid of him if the right sort of uh, money came in. I'm not that confident about the squad, but I, I, I believe in Mendeleeva. I think that he can probably get the absolute maximum out of them. Alex, I have to ask you again. Where did you say Monchi went? To Villa. Yeah, it just sounded like before he pronounced it Aston Villa, oh, something like that. You know, but you know, you know but, a bit, got a twang. Many years in Spain might do that to you. Um, so... This being the case, uh, every year I feel like, oh, look, you know, especially in the first half of the season, I'm like, oh, Real Sociedad, this is the coming together, you know, regardless of who they have there or Yavzabal or when they had Alexander Isak two years ago, uh, they've made some changes, they've reinvested well. Should I be getting excited about La Real again? Can, 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 can they break into the, 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 the triumvirate of evil? I, I, the top three, I would say no. I would say to repeat a top four finish. Okay, sorry. Let me amend that. Can they trick me into thinking in November that they yes, might yes. actually break into the top three? Well, well, remember at one point last season, they looked like, you know, it was never going to last. But they were briefly sort of talked up as potential title contenders. And yeah, maybe that could, could happen again. Of course, they've got the distraction of Champions League football this season. Let's see how they cope with, with that. You mentioned one or two changes in the, in the squads. Um, they've lost Alexander Solov, who's gone to, to Villarreal. They've brought in Andre Silva um, to try and sort of yeah. replace him in terms of goals. Um, Taki Kubo will still be the one to watch, though. Taki Kubo had a, uh, took a massive step up last season. He was their best, best, most exciting player. And if he continues that that development, I think he's the one to watch, along with Oyatabal, as you as you mentioned. So, yeah, without doubt for me, they're the favourites for uh, for fourth place. Uh, they might well be, be pushed by others like... Like, like Betis, um, I'm not convinced about Villarreal, maybe Athletic, who knows, all those teams that finished sort of fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth last, last season. But I think Larial are, 
our firm favourites for top four yet. Yeah. You mentioned Villarreal, of course, picking up the uh, only living sore loss in captivity, as he's known, uh, <laughs> on, uh, on on this program. Um, I. You mentioned the other contenders there, Betis, Athletic uh, Bilbao. I, are you just just on on Betis when you have Canales and Fekir and so on, and sometimes you're so one you play can play such such wonderful football. Why don't we cons- give them a little more consideration rather than saying, "Well, they might push for fourth place." Like, I should the standards be higher given the players Betis have. I think they've got some some exceptional players, and they've got a really very good coach in in, in Pellegrini, which is the the key. Exactly. Course. I don't know. I, I think I think we I think we're sort of rating them about where we where we should be, which is uh, competing for a European place, and maybe top four might just be beyond there. We started last season at Sevilla, um, was was forced out by uh, I think it was in December before even the January transfer window. Had a few months out. He's been picked up by Betis with a with a point to prove, and let's see if he can get. I mean. To be fair to Isco, he wasn't terrible for, for Sevilla last, last season. He wasn't the problem for Sevilla in the early part of last season. Um, so let's see if, if, if he's fit and let's see how he, he does. It's probably too much to expect the Isco of, you know, that we saw for Real Madrid in 2016, 2017, 2018. But he could be useful, especially with Fekir, I think, out at least for the start of the season, out through, through injury. So in the meantime, um, Isco might be the one to watch. They've lost a big player, though, in Canales. Sergio Canales, who um, went off to, to Mexico, he was probably Betis' most important player. They basically had to let him go because their finances were so tight. They had to get rid of someone significant to make room to register all their other players and the, and the signings. And they went for Canales, but he will be a, a big miss for sure. Sergio Canales, of course, the one-time wunderkind. Mm-hmm. Um, final question, just because I dislike what who he is and what he stands for so much. Peter Lim's Valencia. Flirting with relegation, angry, angry fans, and 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 you know, fans in Valencia are these are real fans. I mean, I, I know it's one of the things that always gets me about Spain, right? We focus yeah. on Real Madrid and Barcelona and Atletico, rightly so, because they're so big and they're so popular and they're so good. But in terms of the most intense fans, oh. pound for pound, I was at the Arsenal game it, about three or four years ago in the Mestalla, and what an atmosphere! It was a Europa League game. I, I, yeah, I mean that's a, Alex. I, I'm not going to ask you. I don't want to. I don't want you upset anybody to to rank them. But for me, so I'll just give you my view. It has to either be like Sevilla, where I think they have the highest percentage of Sevilla residents who are season tickets ticket holders of either of either uh, uh, Betis or or Sevilla, mm. or it's got to be Valencia, where people say the fans are too demanding, but. Man, like talk about blood, sweat, can't be and tears. Too, can't so be too demanding when a team like Valencia are down at the bottom of the league. Well, yeah, well, but I mean, I, I find it remarkable yeah. that this, all these owners are still there, and you know there isn't a non-violent way of removing them. It seems like they've tried every non-violent way. Not that I'm advocating violence. The, the, the decline has been incredible. When you think that a few years ago, with with Marcelino in charge, they they made it into the top four, and basically the the squad has been systematically asset stripped ever since season after season they've lost their best players and it just it keeps happening they keep getting worse they keep getting closer and closer to, to relegation last year was as close as it gets and they're basically saved by the kids you know and kids like um young Javi Guerra the midfielder coming in one or two others who came in scored important goals um to get the points they need to stay up but can they do it again I I don't know um Ruben Baraja who's a club legend former player I was brought in last season as coach and saved them. And he really sort of put his faith in the kids and it paid off. 
I don't know if it's going to work over the course of the season. I mean, talk about weak squads. You look at their squad and it is, I mean, the only, you've got someone like Gaia, who's still there, the club captain at left back, um, who might be looking around thinking, you know, should I, should I still be here? But otherwise, it's very, it's very, very poor. And Baraja wants signings. The players have asked for, for signings. No one has, has come in. I'm, I'm worried about Valencia because, like you say, massive club, you know, very, have a very strong case for being the, the third biggest or at least the fourth biggest club in Spain. Mestalla um, is the best stadium in Spain for me. I agree. I agree completely. And this, them going down, they've only been relegated once in their history back in the 80s. It might happen again this this season, and that would be catastrophic, of course, for for them and and for the the league as well, because they're one of those clubs that you you what you need them you need them there. Maybe it'll be a positive if they get American uh, Capital and Lynn and those guys out. Alex, thank you so much. All right, enough Liga. How about some quick hits instead? Let's do it. We call the answer, Don. We talked Monday about how City were a little short in the attacking third after we had Mars' departure. I wrote a column about it. Clearly, Chiqui read it because now they're bidding for Lucas Paqueta. Is the packet worth $60 million? The packet is 100% worth 60 and above. You're pulling a face. With Pep, maybe, yeah. <laughs> no, I think he's a player, and I think you can see... The end to the season he had last season under David Moyes in a struggling side, how good he was, especially in Europe, and we all know how talented he is. And my takeaway from commentating on the Community Shield, and I wouldn't judge a Pep team on one game, but when you lose Riyad Mahrez and when you lose Gundogan, approximately 20 goals and the quality that they bring, with De Bruyne being injured, who didn't play any minutes in a pre-season for Man City, so he's obviously weeks and weeks behind, I thought they looked a little bit short in that sort of attacking flair area, no surprise they've gone in for Pakatar. I, I, I like his versatility. And he'll be better well. in a pep side, by the way. No, no question. And I, I like his versatility as well, both in that attacking midfield position, also further back in the Kovacic role, frankly, because, yeah. you know, listen, Kovacic hasn't started more than 23 games in a season since 2015. And yeah. that, to me, that should set off some... Well, if, uh, you, if, you, if you think Man City are going to have possession as they normally do... You want someone like Pakatar on the ball pulling strings, don't you? No question. Exactly. No question. Uh, what's happening at Chelsea? I mean, now Christopher Nkunku requires knee surgery. Bit of a crisis going on. Is this a blow? This is a massive blow. It's a, the, the reason it's a massive blow is that this is your star signing who's yeah. come in, right? He's not just some guy who was already there. It basically means that when he comes back, he's going to have to be reintegrated again. You're losing. You're losing goals. All of a sudden... You know, this idea that, well, they'll be fine and attack Nico Jackson because he's got people around him who can score goals. Well, nah, not really, because if Nkunku's out, Mount is gone. You know, obviously, you've got players that you can round up the team, but it's a lot of guys who are still finding themselves, like yeah. Mudrik. Or, Some so. player. I mean, does that, does that change the dynamics now with Lukaku? Uh, Nkunku being injured. I mean, they're such different players. No, I, mean, I, just I, mean I think like, the Lukaku yeah. ship has sailed, right. personally. Um, we were talking off here before. Sorry to talking or an argument? Well, you had some things to say about Liverpool and their de- pursuit of a defensive midfielder. Yes, so they've been in for Lavia and they offered about 40, rising then to 45 in the second bid, and now apparently Chelsea have come in with 48. My issue is, and it's nothing to do with the player, because he's 19, he's a fantastic young, young talent, a really, really good player. My issue is, and it's a very simplistic one, but if you're at Liverpool and you're Jurgen Klopp, and I honestly think Caicedo makes Liverpool title contenders. I think he, not, not so much anyone, but I think he's that good. And Brighton, Brighton fans will tell you who's that good. He's a sensational player. Twice the player that Lavia is, in my opinion. 
And when I look at what Liverpool have done in terms of bringing Sabozlai in and bringing McAllister in on top of Diaz, on top of Nunez, on top of Gakpo, on top of Salah, Caicedo for £100 million-ish makes Liverpool title contenders. Now, you've got £60 million in from Fabinho and Henderson. That's a £40 million deficit. Go and spend the money on Caicedo. You get to find that forty million. I, I I have a slightly different theory here. I get what you're taking. I agree with you. Obviously, Caicedo would make Liverpool a lot better. He'd make Chelsea a, a lot club better. Like Liverpool, can't I, they find forty million for for a player that makes you into a title contender? So if you're talking about finding forty million, I I you know regular regular listeners will know this about. Why do they have so many forwards, right? Um, because obviously Jota, it's Gakpo, it's yeah. Nunez, it's Diaz, and it's, and it's Mo Salah. Yeah. You know, so many, they're not just forwards, they're not bodies, but like they're really good, highly exceptional. Paid I think they're insuring themselves against the fact that Rami Abbas, Salah's agent, says, no, no, he's not going anywhere. But the reality is the Saudi transfer window goes on until mid September. Yeah. I think they're insuring themselves against the possibility that something happens. It's a kind of offer that they can't refuse. Maybe they lose Salah, and that's why they keep that extra fifth forward. Could if not. it doesn't look like that's not going to happen, Could not. if you need to sell one of those guys um, to go, and, and I think the most saleable asset is probably Jota, although he's very, very good, to fund the, the, the midfielder that you want and yeah. that you need, then maybe that's what but you my, have to But do. my angle is Fabinho sold, Henderson sold, £60 million pound in, You've got no Nabi. Hang on, hang on. You've got no Nabi Kater wages. You've got no James right. Milner wages. You've got no Oxley Chamberlain yeah. wages. You've still got Thiago. You've still got Bacetic when he comes back. Trent in that position. The specialised holder midfield player, what Caicedo brings, I honestly think, and I stand by with no bias whatsoever, I stand by that. If he goes in there on top of what Liverpool have got, I think immediately they could be title contenders. I think he is that good on top of what they've got. Right. I think it's a no-brainer. Caicedo's biggest fan here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Messi's gone. Mbappe on his way. Neymar now could be shipped on as well. Is that ship sailed now? Is this the end of of PSG? Um, will they let him go? Sixty million. They, 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 they've on? told him. They've told him. Apparently, it's been reported that you know he's been free to move on. He's been left out. Is this of the end of the experiment? Well, you can tell him that. Apparently, they want around 60 million euros. He's got three years left on his deal. He's on enormous salaries. I think they know very well that there's nobody in Europe who can who can afford that. And I know he's going to be like, oh, he wants to go back to Barcelona. You know what? I, I'm tired of this crap, right? Yeah. If you're Neymar, you really want to go back to Barcelona, then you go, you tell your agent, you cancel your contract, Pay you sign for Barcelona uh, for a fee that allows them to register you because you can read the papers as well as anybody See, I'm with you. you know what condition they're in otherwise cut it out with this barcelona thing yeah uh because you're you're basically it's like you're mocking the fans essentially and, right? and the trouble and the trouble with neymar right he gets a lot of flack right he gets so much stick <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't necessarily brought it on himself but when he left barca to get out the messy shadow and go and chase you know individual trophies ballon d'ors etc Worst mistake he's ever made in his life trying to chase that individual trophy, right? right. Now he's angling for a move back. I totally if with you. Pay up your contract. Give a little bit back to say, listen, this is not work. It's not working for me. Can we find a solution? Yeah, or or otherwise, 
go to MLS, go to Saudi Arabia, go well, to that, whatever. Well, that, if, contradicts if you the whole, keep, that contradicts the whole thing. If, he, but, if he was chasing Ballon d'Or, now you go to nah, Saudi. I think he's thinking 2026 World Cup. I, th- I think that's, and he's thinking Copa America before that. But, but, but each thing, dude, at some point, like, you, you can't just keep, you can't get going on with this, like, pretendo Barcelona thing because you know that right now, Barcelona yeah. can't afford you. Yeah. It's quarterfinal time in the Women's World Cup, Don, since our last show, Australia, still without Sam Kerr, though she did come on uh, as a sub, not Sam Kerr as a starter. Uh, they dispatched Denmark 2-0, France eliminated Morocco 4-0, and Colombia edged Jamaica in a game that was a lot closer than I would have thought it would be. Um, you love your predictions and percentages. <laughs> so let's do this for the quarterfinal right, at great I, risk. I am, and I don't mind admitting that I'm very new, as in okay. the last six months to a I, year, to women's football, which well, we I totally enjoy. We've watched the World Cup. I don't we've mind enjoying it. it. Brilliant. And every expert that I've listened to has said about predictions, they've all gone out the window. <laughs> exactly. So good luck to me trying to predict what's going to happen from now when the experts can't. Right. I'll give you. A, I'll give you. A, I'll give it a shot. Perfect. Spain, Holland, percentage chance to advance. Spain, seventy thirty to go through. That sounds about right to me. Japan, Sweden. Yeah, I, I, I've not. I've not seen either team play, but I've been impressed by Japan, so we'll go Japan. Sixty forty to go through. I like that. I'll go sixty five. Japan. Maybe that's my heart speaking. Australia, France, the France, big one. France to go through. No. Oh, Jules is going to like that. Yeah, that done it. Jules is going to like I've that. Done it just for Jules. So France to go through to play England. England, Colombia. Well, I, you got, I mean, you got I, England? I, I yeah. think England win it from here, no? All right. Well, let's see if Miss Caicedo has something to say about that. Uh, right. The Premier League CEO, Richard Masters, spoke to the media yesterday, Gab. Uh, you were there. Um, the biggest headline seemed to be about Saudi and not being a threat to the Premier League's dominance. Yeah, so it's funny. So Richard Masters is very, very measured the boss when, he, when, when he speaks, right? Yeah, He's yeah. not somebody who's going to no. say crazy things. But, you know, people are never asked him the Saudi Pro League. And like you said, the Saudi Pro League has spent about $450 million, um on about 20-odd players. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great that there's investment. They've been around since the 1970s. He reminded people what many have said all along. The Premier League have like a hundred year head start. Yeah. They've got bigger brands. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a six billion, uh, pound plus industry. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of waters to go under that bridge oh, before yeah. Saudis think in the same conversation. Harry Maguire is close to leaving Manchester United for one of your old clubs, Don, mm-hmm. West Ham. Thoughts? Uh, I think for West Ham, a really good signing. I think Harry, Harry Maguire now has got to read the room at what happened, what's happening at Man United when Luke Shaw was taking over his position, um, being stripped of the uh, captain's armband, stripped, I say that loosely, it's just been taken off and given to someone else. I think he probably knows in his heart of hearts he's not going to get too many minutes. So the clubs have agreed a, a deal in principle right, right around 30, 30 million, yeah. but he has yet to green light it. Yeah. He th- will, right? Do you I, think will? I, I think he should because why would you stay at a club like Man United if you're not going to play? Because you can be a part of their success, but you're not really a part of it because you're not playing. And joining a club like West Ham is a really good club to go and join. It actually reminds me about when he when he when he played for Leicester and how they played and they were quite defensively deep. Um, West Ham will probably do the same with a David Moyes. It's what they've done over the last 18 months, which then definitely suits Harry Maguire. Where he struggled at Man United was being on the halfway line, being asked to run back and chase fast forward, which is not his game. So I think under David Moyes, and I think West Ham fans would like him. I think they'll take him. I think they'll give him the support. Um, I think they'll, they'll, they'll really like him, which will help the player. 
And I think that's when you'll see probably Harry Maguire start to grow because at the minute, I just feel as though, which is really unfair, he's, he's the laughing and joke on social media about when he makes the mistake. All players make mistakes, but for some reason he gets criticised. So go and make the move. Go and enjoy your football. Go and play for West Ham. Uh, Victor Osimhen has yet to sign that new contract with Napoli, Gab. Should the fans get worried? I mean, he's locked up until 2025, right? right. So the reality is the only scenario where he leaves is he makes it clear that he's not going to extend his deal and then you got two years left and then Napoli say, oh, well, then we better cash it down. I've seen some ridiculous numbers. Yeah. So Saudi are offering him. There's interest in Saudi Arabia. I don't know that he feels like this is the right time for him to go to Saudi Arabia. He's 23, 24 years old. Um, the my understanding is what his camp have asked for is like we'll sign a new deal, but we want a clause, and it's going to be a good clause, 150 million. Uh, Napoli say, well, no, no, clause needs to be higher, needs to be 200 million, and maybe needs to be even higher if it's a club outside Europe. Like, if we're that's fine. That, that's fine. I mean, 200 outside Europe seems fine. I mean, because you're basically saying Saudi Arabia, exactly, right? 250 um, like Mbappe, but 150 seems. It, for Europe, it, it, it doesn't seem like a crazy, no. crazy clause. Obviously, if you're a seaman, you want a lower clause, and you know. So I think this is going to rumble on. But what we've seen is he's he's pretty unflappable. He's such a good pro. He's, he's been such a good pro that yeah. I think this talk's going to go on. In the I background. hope he stays. I really the good do. thing is they're doing a lot of talking, right? Yeah, which suggests that you'd rather see people talking a lot. Than yeah, not talking. I honestly at all. hope he stays. Ins and outs at Arsenal, Don. Matt Turner, U.S. men's national team goalkeeper. Matt Turner has moved to Nottingham Forest for $7 million, rising to $10 million. He's going to be replaced by Brent Nixamaridraya. It's a $3 million loan fee with an option to buy at $27 million next summer. Do, do you like these moves? I, I get the Turner one. He needs mm. to play. He needs to play. Um, Raya, like, what, what, does Ramsdale smell or something? Like, <laughs> Raya casts a shadow. Over see, Ramsdale, doesn't I, he? Yeah. See, I've, I heard the great Peter Schmeichel talking about this this morning on social media, and he doesn't like the idea of having uh, two number ones going for the same position. Wait, wait, wait. Peter Schmeichel, of course, who was backed up by the legendary Raymond van der Gaal for so many years. How does Raymond feel? Is he saying that I, Raymond I was know. never in no, competition? I, I, no, I, I, no yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I actually go against uh, Peter on this one because... I think it's great competition. You look at Edison and Ortega, and when Edison hasn't been in the side, Ortega is still a very good goalkeeper with the ball at his feet as well as Edison. So I think it makes sense, in my opinion, if you've got someone like David Raya going to Arsenal and putting pressure on Ramsdale, because Ramsdale's, Ramsdale's weak part of his game is playing out from the back. Unbelievable goalkeeper, brilliant goalkeeper with loads of confidence and commands that box. But playing out from the back is not his strength where Raya's is. So I get, I, I quite, I quite like, and I heard Aaron Ramsdale talked about it yesterday, and he actually said, bring it on. You know, yeah, if I, what's he going to say? No, no, but I think it's great for a player because if you're trying to nick my position, I'm not going to be all moody on you because you've come in. I think I'm it, saying, come on, Gab, let's bring it on. Let's, I, let, let you, can you raise my game? I'll raise your, raise your game and hopefully we'll get success. It shouldn't, it shouldn't just be a nailed on number one and you're just a number two and I'm not I think fit. it's a bit different with goalkeepers. Why? I understand with where, where Bush Michael's coming from. I spoke Because in most cases... See, I think, it it's more, I think it's more demoralising if a goalkeeper comes in and he knows he's never, ever going to start the big games because that man there's the number one. That's well, got to be. Fine, that's got to. Your, your no, job isn't. That's got to be more demoralising than fighting right. for your position, no? So your job, though, isn't to make sure that your goalkeeper 
your reserve goalkeeper isn't demoralised. He knows. I mean, David yeah, Raya knows that. Gab, Ramsdale I, yeah, Gab, is a I know. I know what it's like, right? When I'm competing for a place, right? And on the Monday you train hard. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday you train yeah. hard. On the Friday, you know when the manager does his does his team and does the tactics and patterns of play, and you're in the res. He's got a bib on. Okay, that I, session kills you until but, you get your head back on again. But you also know the reality, especially with goalkeepers, that the number one. I mean, I, again. I don't know enough managers, certainly the conventional I find that the bizarre. Game, that they say that I find it they bizarre don't deal how you well have... with they don't deal well with pressure and But I find it bizarre in any position on the pitch you can have competition but not for the number one jersey. I mean you can, but there's a reason why at just about every top club in the history of football there's been very few situations where you had a legitimate competition for the number one jersey. Maybe where, this is the future. And where you've had legitimate competition is because the number one wasn't good. So all we've heard is how good Ramsdale is, what a great leader he is, and so on. So if you're saying that to Ramsdale on the one hand, but if you th- I have total faith in you, I bring in somebody, rather than Matt Turner, who, with all due respect to Matt Turner, is several rungs below But if Ramsdale, you think about this logically, right, and you're your number one, and your backup goalkeeper is not as good as uh, Aaron Ramsdale, when you then pick the backup goalkeeper, your team then is weaker. Why can't it be just as strong if you've got competition and David Raya comes in? Well, because the the the, the is Why weaker because he's just, he, that happens whenever 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 an injured no, player is out. And, but it shouldn't be because now you've right. got two fantastic number ones, and whichever one you're right, pick, except your number two. If your fantastic number one is playing regularly, then the number two never plays, so he's going to be rusty when he plays. I mean, that's, well, that's see, if you're a manager and I'm your assistant now, we're having a Barney. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> uh, right? Chelsea have been fined ten million um, from uh, from UEFA, and now they're under investigation by the Premier League. What's Todd Bowley done now? Gab? Okay, so be very clear, and we've been harsh on Bowley in the past. It's not Todd Bowley's fault. Todd right, so who's done. written that down then? <laughs> Todd Bowley's done. <laughs> what he's done is he's done the right thing. Todd Bowley and Clear Lake. So what happened was um, Chelsea self-reported to UEFA. Um, Chelsea, of course, you might be wondering why are UEFA even into this? So is this Chelsea financial? Europe? Is this financial? This is purely financial. Uh, this is to Chelsea when Chelsea basically went to UEFA and said, look. There's all these payments between 2012 and 2019 through these companies. We're not sure about this. We don't know if rules have been uh, have been broken. We want to report these to you to UEFA oh. to find out if there are some irregularities oh, right. there. So they've done the right thing then. Well, they're the new owners, right? So they inherited these deals. No, but it's from nice. The past. It's nice for them. See, in, in my world, they've come forward and said, ah, "Have we done anything wrong here?" They have. Uh, now they steal themselves for this because you remember when they bought Chelsea for two and a half billion. Uh, the, the Times and others reported that they withheld $100 million because when they did due diligence, they said, some of this stuff isn't really clear for us. Right. We don't want to incur a fine. We're going to withhold this money. We're going to pay it later once we've gotten the all clear on it. So that's what's happening. It's happening. I think the Premier League has to investigate this as well because they have been fined. The fact that Chelsea's current owners have come forward and said, guys, this is what we found mm. in the past when we weren't there. Yeah. I'm sure you have to look upon that favorably. Um, so I wouldn't expect them to receive much more punishment. Wolves have appointed Gary O'Neill, formerly of Bournemouth, um, to replace Julian Lopetegui, who resigned a few days ago. Don, it's never a good look when the manager who kept you up uh, walks out in preseason. No. This club's not in a good place. No. And this story's been rumbling on for a fair few weeks, hasn't it? Everyone from the understanding thought that Lopetegui was going to walk, and now he has, days before the Premier League starts. The only thing I would say on the appointment of Gary O'Neill, I think it's a fantastic one. I think the job that he'd done when Scotty Parker left and said he's got the worst 
uh, Bournemouth team in history when they got spanked nine. I think he was there at the time. Uh, and the job that Gary O'Neill done, I thought it was brilliant and bringing the team and the squad together. But I wonder what's going on in the background. So many Portuguese players have been signed over the years. I always wondered, I wondered what the DNA would look like if a lot of these players then moved on. And now Lopetegui's moved on. Yeah, you know, I, I got, I flagged this when it happened. This is an unhealthy conflict of yeah. situation with George Mendes exactly. and, uh, and the ownership. The appointment of the manager's good. But like you said, I wonder what the repercussions are. But I want to ask you scenes. about Gary O'Neill because I thought he was good because, of, oh, look, Bournemouth, not a big budget, yeah. comes in, um, out, right? Others, like the guy who normally sits in your seat, say, hang on a minute, um, actually. Because so I was, I was shocked when Bournemouth uh, let Gary O'Neill go, right? Yeah. And Jules said, well, no, it's not that shocking because they were trending the wrong way and so on. Like, So is he any good? I think he's good. I think he's very good. I think when when, when Scotty Parker moved on and he said this team... Okay, never- Scott Parker cannot be the benchmark no, of but, who's a good manager. Well, well, no, well, well, yes and no, because one manager who's in charge is telling you, I've got the worst team in the world and we're never going to survive and we just lost nine. He goes, the new manager comes in and says, actually, these players are great. And why can't we have some harmony? Hey, he seems like job a, that he done. That's what I thought. I thought, Luke, you, you kept him up. I mean, yeah. whether Bournemouth we were right moving on from him or not, but um, certainly has a job on his hands. I now. think. I think in the short term they've moved very quickly on Gary O'Neill, and that to me seems like a good thing that right. they've moved on quickly rather than delaying it and then potentially going into a new season without a manager. So at least they've been hasty and made, made the right decision, or which seems like the right decision. Uh, Gab, we've talked about Lukaku Vlahovic business for the past month or so. Do we talk about it again? Is it a thing? We do. There's reports in Italy saying that uh, Chelsea have now said, like, all right, enough of this Vlaovic business. Um, Does he you know. want to move? Vlaovic. I don't think he wants to move. I, I, I think he's made it. And now, obviously, if they kind of push him out the door and give him enough money, maybe he will move. Um, but I don't think he has any great appetite for moving. If you look at his social posts and so on, uh, he seems into it. He's He's fired up. Uh, Juventus play their annual traditional intra-squad uh, friendly. Uh, Juventus black against Juventus white, which is basically the nice. first team against yep. the next-gen team. Yep. Um, they won like 6-0 or, or something like that. The Lukaku, fans, Lukaku's killing himself, isn't he? No, no. The fans made it very, very clear where they stand. Massive yep. abuse of Lukaku. Which is Massive. not great. But he's, but he's, it, well, it doesn't seem to be doing himself any good. Like They don't want Lukaku. No, but no one seems to. No, only Max Allegri wants Lukaku. This is the weird situation they're in. Now even Allegri's saying, well, no, Vlaovic is great. So the reading is that you've have marched it back. So now, if you're Chelsea, what do you do with Lukaku? Why, Why didn't he just go to Inter? Oh my, I, I don't know. This Why? One of those existential what? questions. Uh, Chelsea have named Reese James as club captain after the departure of Cesar Aspilicueta. Um, Don, does it matter who the club captain is? Yes and no. I think it's great for the player. It's I, I always, and really weirdly, I always performed, which I thought I performed better when I had the captains on. Which on. clubs did you captain? Everton. And I, and I thought when I, when I took the team out there at Goodison, for some reason you sort of grew a little bit and you got the armband, you got responsibility, you're in charge of the dressing room. And in my day when a captain was a captain, you were the link between Walter Smith or Howard Kendall, the manager, to what then goes down to the dressing rooms. You're a sort of semi, semi-link. Oh, the lads are training too hard. Did Archie Knox still shout at you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, that okay. was their job. It was bad cop, bad cop with him and Walter. <laughs> That's how it worked, which is great. But I think for Reese James, I think, you know, hopefully for him now, stay injury-free 
and now you're in charge of that dressing room and you're the link with man. He's young. Yourself and the manager and the voice to the fans and they can they can visibly see you wearing the armband. He's young, but then again, this is a young and team. Talented. He's been at the club for a long time. And he's yeah, super I, I, yeah. I think it makes loads of sense. I think, I think for him to up his game, I think wearing the armband could be amazing for him. And, and as long as we discover that stepping on opponents while they're lying on the ground isn't a, <laughs> isn't a family trait, then he'll be fine. Yeah, and, uh, United have been linked with three possible replacements if Maguire goes. Um, who's the fa- who's the favourite? Who's, 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 who's in contention? Who's well, the, the three names that have been thrown out there, there's four actually. Some have suggested Mark Gahey, who I think, though, would cost a lot of money. Um, there's Jean-Claude Todibo, uh, Benjamin Pavard, and Edmund Tapsoba. Now, it's interesting... I think Todibo is at Nice, um, Sergio Ratcliffe's club. Uh, he's done really well. He was really highly touted youngster. I mean, going to Barcelona and what mm-hmm. else. Of the three, I think Tapsoba is the guy who has the biggest upside. I was going to say, when I seen Pavard, I thought that that's, even though he's a good player, do you want to be fourth choice centre-back? I think Pavard would probably back himself to improve. I don't think any of these guys want to be fourth choice. Well, they're not getting in ahead of Martinez or Varane, are they? Yeah, but remember, Varane, it's it's the age-old thing. How many games is he going to play? And Mm -hmm. then you just got to beat out Lindelof, right? Um, I do wonder, though, just simply, you know, going back to that thing about how, you know, it was reported they have $120 to spend. Mm -hmm. If you... If you sell, manage to sell Maguire for thirty million, you're right at that hundred twenty million, yeah. which means then you have no more money to spend unless you McTominay. move McTominay yeah, or, yeah. or whatever another player, yeah. or maybe you have to do a loan deal, I, which United don't like to do. Well, the rumors, the rumors are Fred to Fulham and McTominay maybe to West Ham. Maybe uh, if you really want to feel the need to go and sell both of them, I wouldn't do that. I'd keep one of them. Um, I think a Pavard loan deal for an extra body. Yeah. Might be doable, but again, United don't like doing that. So I don't know. Of, but certainly of these guys, Tapsoba is the guy who's considered to be, have the biggest upside. Liverpool have been linked with Southampton's Romeo Lavia for some time now. Chelsea are reportedly in the mix too. Um, and we talked about Liverpool and Lavia before. Mm-hmm. Again, it seems like for both clubs though, like it's, oh, Caicedo's our first choice if we can't afford him. Yeah. Lavia's sloppy second. I just want you to talk about Lavia a little bit because... Some difference, though, isn't it? 100 Caicedo, 50 Well, there's some difference, too. These are, I know they're young players and Lavia's got the city pedigree and whatever. Because normally when you have a plan A, plan B, the player, plan A and B are quite similar in terms of how they play and the price tag. You don't normally get a, a difference of 50 million. One's 100 and one's 50. I, but that is one of the weird things. But it just seems like it's... There's a lot of money and a fair amount of risk for a guy who... On Lavia. He's had yeah. one season. He's 19. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a good player. But, I mean, that is a that is a, a lot of money for someone that is now going to wear either the Liverpool or Chelsea shirt. Caicedo's the man. I will, I'll stand by it. He's the man. You pay the extra money, you get him in because he's a better player. Manchester City's still- Potential is in Lavia, but there's potential in Caicedo. Would it make you nervous that Manchester City still have a buyback option or they had a buyback option? Mm. I, th- I think it's still active. Uh, might not be. I think but, it is, yeah. But they decided not to do that, right? Yeah. And I think it was $40 million they could buy Lavia back. Yeah, and they've not gone for it's it. It's like, are you guys seeing things that... You really have to back yourself if you're like, oh, I'm seeing things that Pep doesn't see because in it, with Gundogan gone, with yeah. Phillips having the kind of season he had, they bought Kovacic... Well, why wouldn't you want to bring this dude back? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, I know what you mean. That that's, it just seems... I mean... 
I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Lavia skeptic, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Zielinski, a big part of Napoli's success last season. Um, why is he being pushed out and who do they want to replace him? Pushed out simply money. Um, he's got a year left on his contract. They don't feel that they can reward him enough, give him the kind of money that he wants. He has interest from elsewhere. They're, they're hoping it's going to be Saudi um, so that they can get a payday. Um, he was some player last season for the money. He was tremendous. He was tremendous. Although, to be fair, he was. you could argue he was their third best central midfielder. That's how good Sambo Gies and Lamarca yeah. were. Yeah. Um, but uh, they've got Cajus coming in. They're ready to move on. But they really like Gabri Vega, um, who, of course, in the first half of last season, everybody in uh, Spain uh, was, was drooling about him. He has a release clause of $40 million. Napoli have offered $30 million. Uh, We asked Alex Kirkland to fair, fair, you know, why... Where's all the Gabri Vega hype gone? He did not have a good second half of the season. Right. Um, but Napoli hoped to get this across the line. And on paper, he seems like a natural replacement for Zelensky. Maybe more attacking than, mm. than Zelensky. Yeah. Kyle Walker has a year left on his deal at City and was linked to Bayern. But that ship has sailed. It looks like he's re-upping for another season with Pep. Makes sense, Don? 100%. I think he's one of the players at Man City in that back line who I think is irreplaceable. He's quicker than most. Um, one-on-one defending is incredible. No one really beats him. The performances that he put in against Vinny Jr. were just out of this world. And I think if you sold him, you'd be looking around Europe to try and buy the next Carl Walker, which I'm not even sure is out there. If he is, he's going to cost you 100. That just, just seems to be the number these days. So why wouldn't you, if you're Pep, Especially when you've lost, in, in a summer where you've lost Mares and you've lost Gundogan, you don't want to see any more your first team squad 11 leave I, to make you weaker in a hurry. I, I think this is a situation where, with a year left, you know. I think you, you give him a new deal. You can give him a one year extension if you want. He's 33, right? So Pep's got, what, two years left? So he might not be there in two I years. I mean, time. but even if. I think it's a no brainer. Even if he doesn't. Even even if you just say like, look, we can't give you the extension. We'll evaluate where you are at the end of the season. Some kind of Kyle Walker. Why would they want to leave? No, like, I for what? So I get like a two year deal, three year deal. No, I wouldn't. Like you know, wouldn't. you're there. You just won the treble. Enjoy it. Yeah, totally true. Um, Glasgow Rangers beat ten man Savet two one in the first leg of qualify. But Gab, I want to ask you about the controversy surrounding the game. What happened? Well, the the guy who wasn't there, uh, Gal Andua. Um, I look, I don't like to bring politics into this podcast, but sometimes you have to because it's a question of football. So Galandua plays for Servette. He didn't or he wasn't allowed he wasn't given a visa to enter the United Kingdom. Right. And the reason he wasn't given a visa is that Ondua is from Cameroon, um, but he grew up partly in Russia. Um, I believe he's also a Russian citizen. He's worn like little Russian flags on his uh on his socks before and stuff like that. And he was denied a visa on the basis, the same basis that, you know, some athletes are, you know, denied the right to, 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 to play at Wimbledon if they're Russian, if they support, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, Russia's efforts in, in the conflict in the, the war in Ukraine. Uh, whatever your views are, I think this is very different from, you know, a tennis player deciding like, oh, I want to go to Wimbledon, an individual right. making a choice. This guy is an employee of Servette. Right. Right. He doesn't have a choice. Yeah. He has to go play in the United Kingdom. Um, Servette employed him. 
The fact that he has spoken out in favor of the country of which he's a citizen and which he grew up in. Mm. And I don't know exactly what he said. I'm, I'm hoping he didn't say, ooh, Ukraine needs exactly, to be wiped yeah. off the face of the earth. I mean, assuming he said something reasonable, like, even if your country does something which most of the rest of the world regards as wrong, mm. what do you want him to do? Like, I hate my, I, I, I hate my, my country, not even his country because he's Cameroonian, but it's the country of which I, I have my other citizenship. I, I think this is, this is really, really bad execution and really disappointed. I hope um, UEFA and Servette look into this. Obviously, it's not Rangers' fault. It's not the uh, SFA's fault. Mm. This is a political thing. And they need to have rules where they say, guys, if people are under contract uh, and you want to play in this competition, you need guarantees from your government that they will be granted visas to travel. Because just, this just isn't fair, mm. I, I think. Mm. Ross Barkley is back in the Premier League. He's joining newly promoted Luton. Don, what does he have left in the tank? Well, now it's all on him, isn't it? Now it's all on um, Ross Barkley to prove to everyone that he's still fit enough and he's still good enough because there's a talent in there. It's now he's... We've all been there as pros when you start coming down off the what you think is your best years and you start coming down off the cliff and you start to deteriorate and you start to get a little bit worse for whatever reason, injuries, fitness, motivation, whatever it might be. But now he's got to look in the mirror and go, he's got a chance now playing for a team in the Premier League, which is a great chance for him. Now when he's playing for Luton, who I've played for, uh, and they're going to be up against it every single game you would imagine, let's see how much motivation he's got. Let's see how much he wants it because the talent is in there, but now it's on him. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, back to Spurs. If Kane does move to Bayern, what's the succession plan? Well, we touched upon this before. The succession plan, of course, I think is uh, is Richarlison through the middle. See, I think it's Evan um, Ferguson. Okay. okay. Brighton. Leaving aside of Ferguson, if they can't okay. afford just... Ferguson, they don't want to spend all this money in Ferguson, okay. Brighton doesn't let him go. Um, they've been linked with Gift Orban, who is, uh, uh, who's at Gank. Um, 21 years old. Scored a lot of goals uh, last season in in the Belgian league. I think this has to be the approach. Try to get somebody who is cheaper as an alternative, but who's young and and who can grow. But is that um, not a red flag, though? So you say cheaper, so not as good. Well, he's not going to be as good as Harry not, Kane. No, but you can try and bridge the gap and find someone that's a little. Ian bit... Ferguson's not going to be as good as Harry Kane either. Um, you know, not straight away anyway. Uh, so. I think you have to spend the money that you can afford to spend, you know. And um, Orban's gotten a lot of hype. He's bounced around a little bit, um, but he's still very, very young. And I think it makes sense to go for somebody, somebody like that who can be different from the other forwards you have and who can give you something. Eric Ten Hag has succeeded where Jose Mourinho and Louis van Gaal uh, have failed. He got the club to agree to turn one of their hospitality lounges into a space for players to relax and prepare on match days. Like this. Rather than holding up in a hotel, which is what many clubs do. People don't know, like, on match day, you'll report, I don't know, what, five or six hours before kickoff. Yeah. You go to a hotel. You mooching sit around, around. Mooching around. You sit on your hotel room. You bored. play your PlayStation. You're bored. bored. So he wants to have them mooch around and play their PlayStations, except... Well, it, it won't be PlayStation. <laughs> doing it... Inside Old Trafford, and he's gotten the club, and this is a club that I think it makes sense. They like to squeeze as much money as they can at hospitality lounges and yeah. give up a hospitality lounge. Well, weigh up that with hotel money, but I think didn't didn't Jose have loads of problems and other managers in terms of getting in and to games and Man United seemed the to traffic. be a, traffic. They seem to be late, which is bonkers. At home. 
bonkers at home when the hotel was just around the corner. I do think it makes sense, though. I do think it makes sense from the manager and the player's point of view to be inside Old Trafford doing your tactical work or you know work on the opposition strengths, weaknesses, etc. while you're in the building. What did you guys do in those, like, because oh, you, you start you're, you start getting ready it's not, it's an hour not, and a half before, right? Yeah, so what do you actually do, like three hours before kickoff? Well, well, if you're staying in a hotel, it would be early morning walk. When I say early morning, it would be 10 a.m. walk. So right. you'd come downstairs, you'd have a walk, then you'd go back, have some breakfast or sometimes breakfast before. But you'd go on a walk just to, just to, just to stretch the legs and just to you know, get out of your bed instead of just lying still. Then you'd probably go back, have a shower, come down for... I don't know, 12 o'clock. Then you'd have a team meeting, which might last 45 minutes on the opposition. Tactics. Uh, some managers like to flip over the flip chart with the starting 11. Some managers never, you know, tell you the starting 11 on a Friday. Normally, sometimes it's a Saturday, right. etc. Um, and then you've got to make your way to the game, which gets you there for, I don't know, half one for a three o'clock kickoff. So it's all a little bit time consuming. So if you're there in the stadium, you can have a longer lie-in. You can do what you like in terms of being mm. relaxing with the family. You can even, judging by this, the family could be there with you. Um, yeah. And then once you're in the bowels of the stadium, it's not that far to then go down to work. So it's the latest player to... Feels like it's... Feels well like, done, Eric. Feels like, yeah, feels like it's a good move. Uh, right, Kingsley Coman is the latest player to be linked with Saudi, with Mane gone. If Harry Kane does come... Doesn't come. Doesn't come, sorry. Will they be a little bit short in the forward department? Yes, 100%. That you can't, if, if you don't get Kane uh, or another striker, you cannot let Kingsley Coleman go because simple fact of the matter is you must play with a center forward and your center forward options, as we know, the realistic ones are going to be converted wingers. I don't like Gnabry at center forward. Um, no. I prefer Coleman at center forward. Uh, I think sadly they tried Sane there too. Didn't go great. I, I don't need to see Thomas Muller play center forward no. again. Um, you have to come up with something. So I think I think it's essential that Coleman stays, even if and maybe he'll want to stay if Kane comes. Obviously, if it's stupid money mm-hmm. and it helps fund the Kane transfer, then then you got to think about it. FC Dallas defender Facundo Quinon uh, reportedly swapped shirts with Lionel Messi after well the League's Cup game against Inter Miami. Well played. Benenice says he was criticised for washing it. Who? Don, I know I get the joke, haha, you shouldn't wash it, messy sweat on it, some sort of holy guard, but Dickless. it'd be kind of gross. Yeah, I'm assuming you've washed every jersey you've swapped, right? No. I've got I've got a manual petite shirt that I've had in my garage that's got dirt all over it from twenty five years ago. It's fine. Doesn't stink. Do you know just air it? What, what Emmanuel Petit sweat doesn't stink? Well no, you just put it in the garden, stick it on a stick it on a, a hanger. Let some air get to it. It doesn't stink. Hang it up. There's going to be germs in the dirt There's no and everything. You've got in small it, man. children running around. There's Disgusting. no germs in it, Disgusting. man. It's disgusting that he's getting criticised for washing it, if that's real. <laughs> if that's even a real story. Oh, dear me. Anyway, Cristiano Ronaldo scored the penalty that gave Al Nasser a 1-0 win over Rax Al Shorta in the Arab Champions Cup. Now they face Al Halal, Khalidou Koulibaly, in the final. Would it be their first trophy with Al Nasser? Uh, it would be Cristiano's first uh, trophy since moving to Saudi, except for the trophy that he was already given as the competition's top scorer, apparently, which I thought was weird, given there's a game to go. But um, Just giving them trophies, aren't they? Yeah, look, I mean, we we had to kind of... You notice what we did there? The obligatory mention of Messi and Cristiano, yeah. ah, because what you have to do every single together. show. Uh, Don, that brings us to an end. Amazing. Um, but So thanks for stepping in, trying to... Anytime. Phil Jules' tiny, tiny little shoes. He's got little feet. Right tiny. Now. 
Um, I'm going to be back on Monday. Uh, until then, love the game. Love you, David. Love you.